it's Miriam Shulman, your host of The Inspiration Place, and you're listening to episode number 24. Today, we're talking all about what words need to go on your website. So for that, stay tuned. It's The Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to The Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hey there, it's Miriam Shulman. And in just a moment, we're going to be talking with my guest, who's a copywriter. We'll be talking all about what words you need to put on your website. But before we get there, I am celebrating completing the first six months of my podcast. So in celebration, I am hosting a giveaway. I'm giving away an Inspiration Place apron to one lucky winner. This apron is perfect for crafting. And if you're not a fine artist, you don't wear aprons for that, you certainly are welcome to use the apron in your kitchen. (laughs) So here's how you enter to win. All you have to do is leave a sincere five-star review of the Inspiration Place on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you've already left a review, no problem, because here's what you need to do next. Screenshot your review And you have two choices. You can either post it on Instagram with hashtag the inspiration place and tag me at Shulman Art, or you can send me a DM of your screenshot on Instagram. Don't forget, I'm Shulman Art over there. I hope you're already following me. Say hello, and I will personally write you back. The last day to enter is February 11th, 2019. And by the way, if you're listening to this, After it's over, don't despair because I will be hosting another giveaway soon. So you might as well get your review in now. And I sure do appreciate it. I also give shout outs to people who leave reviews over on the blog, as well as in my Insta stories. So everyone who leaves a review wins. So that's it for now. Let's get back to the show. Today, I've invited a guest expert in writing copy because art does not sell itself. If you want to sell your art online, then you need words to sell your art. And I don't know about you, but I really struggle with writing about myself. So in this episode, you're going to discover the three web pages that every artist needs on their website. You'll also discover what you must have on your about page and whether you really need an artist statement. Today's guest is a copywriter and web marketing strategist who helps creative business owners stand out in an overcrowded market and get more bookings, business, and sales with personality-driven web copy. She also has done a lot of work with artists and has been featured on several artists' websites. So I'm so grateful that she's joining us today. And also, at the end of the show, we'll be sharing how you can get your hands on her free guide to writing your about page. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Kimberly Houston. Hey, Welcome, Kimberly. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thanks so much for joining me. I am thrilled to be here. So, Kimberly, the reason I invited you, because I know artists or at least I hear this a lot, artists became artists to paint or to create or to sculpt or whatever it is, and not necessarily to become a writer. Yet we all need to have 
words on our website to sell our art. Do you hear that also from your clients? Yes, they're not writers, they're artists, they just want to create art, but they also want to sell art, and therefore we need to have web copy to do that, to help us do that. Yeah, so we were talking before we got on the call today, and you were talking about that there are three web pages that you think every creative really needs to have. So what are those three different types of web pages? Number one, you need to have your homepage, which is the page that most people are going to land on when they first get to your website. That's okay, like your then, main page. But that has to have copy on it too, or can it just yeah. have a picture of my art? Okay. No, it needs to have some copy. You definitely mm-hmm. want to have some copy. Um, and I can come back on to why you need copy on your homepage in a sec. And the other two pages you must have are your about page and then whatever page you sell your work from. So some artists call that a gallery page or some call okay. it a shop page, whatever you call the page you sell your work from. That's the other. Now, it's fine to have other pages, but those are the three key ones where you really need to dial in your copy. Okay, so let's let's back up and talk about the homepage because I see most artists don't have a lot of copy on that homepage. They mm-hmm. have their name and sometimes a tagline, but mostly it's pretty picture. So what kind of copy should go there? Well, there should be something that sort of weaves a narrative around your work and something that introduces you. You know, it could just be two or three lines under the big, like maybe you have a big hero image at the top. Maybe you have your tagline and your name, and then you have a big image. And then under that, you want to have something that talks a little bit about your work or yourself as an artist. And the other thing I generally... Well, not generally, I always recommend that artists have on their website homepages is some opt-in copy to get people on your email list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So even if you just had your tagline, a big image, two or three sentences of copy, and then something pointing people to sign up for your email list, that could be enough for your homepage. But you want to have something. I've seen those homepages, too, where there's a picture and nothing else. And that that doesn't make me want to stick around and and check out the rest of the website generally. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, museums with the most famous art in the world, they don't just stick a Picasso on the wall. They always have a little mm-hmm. description next to it or some sort of narrative that leads you through, and you're kind of doing the same thing with the words on your website. You're welcoming them to That's your, true. your gallery. Absolutely. And the other reason, yeah, too, is like for search engine optimization, You want to have copy on all your web pages so search engines can find you. Now, I'm not an SEO expert, but I can tell you that if you're an artist who has almost no copy on your website, compared to someone who does very similar work who does have copy, they're more likely to be found in search results because they've got some copy. They've got something that can be found by people searching. So that's another reason, again, I'm not an SEO expert, but you want to have some copy on your homepage. Yeah. Now for most artists, I mean, if you're an abstract artist, it's, you probably are not going to be found in search for abstract art. But if you do something more specific, you found your niche as an artist, mm-hmm. whether you're a pet portrait artist or you're like one of our early guests, Jan Smuckle, who does tonalist art, who caters to the arts and craft movement. So people who are searching for that specific type of art, if you do something in a niche, then that def- those words definitely should be on your website. And that, of course, mm-hmm. lends itself to the idea that the more you can niche down in the type of art you provide, the more successful you're going to be for, for many reasons, not just... Absolutely. Yeah. Correct. And you're speaking to your ideal 
customer. Now, one thing that I think is interesting is people often will go to a designer for their website. And I know you have some strong ideas about that. Can we, can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, well, there's there's a huge debate. There always has been about you know what should come first, the copy or the design. Exactly. But what? And I was just reading an article about this the other day. What often happens when you get the design first is then you just plug in the copy, whether it fits or not. So it either ends up looking janky and crowded, or you just get rid of some of it so it'll fit to the design. I personally believe you should have the copy nailed down first, and then the design around that. And I can't remember who wrote the article I was reading the other day, but they pretty much were saying the same thing, mm-hmm. like copy first, then design. Now you want them to play well together. So that's why you want your copywriter and your designer, if possible, it's not always possible, but if possible to work closely together. Um, but you just don't want to get this beautiful design and be all thrilled about it and then say, okay, now I'm going to I'm going to throw some copy in there. Let me see no. how much I can fit <laughs> or whatever, you know. Right. Okay, so do you work with a designer or it's, or do you just work with whoever the the per, your client has already in mind? I mean, do you have a team that you work I with? I usually no, I usually I don't work with designers. Um when I work with a client on copy, something I always tell them is if when you are ready to put this copy on your site, if you want to hook me up with your designer as a courtesy and not something I charge for, as a courtesy I will work with them to figure out the proper placement. I've only had a couple of people take me up on that because it's important to place it correctly and not just the word that comes to mind is higgledy-piggledy, um, just any, any old way. But that is something that I tell people I'll do. If you want me to help you work with your designer on where this should be placed, I'm happy to do that. Mm. All right. That's good to know. Okay. So now let's, let's move on to the, so we talked about the home page and the second page that you mentioned was the about page, mm-hmm. which I'm told that's like the most visited page on anybody's website, regardless of whether you're a creative artist or a different type of professional. So let's talk about what needs to go on that about page. Okay. So yes. And it, depending on, on what you read, um, it's either the homepage and the about page are both very important and the about page definitely gets a whole lot of traffic too, sometimes more than the homepage, but people, if they land on your homepage and they like what they see and they're interested, I'm usually the very next page they're going to is the about page. So on that about page, you do want to have some information about yourself, but really, even though it's the about page, you want it to be about your collectors or clients first, and then you can talk about yourself. So that's what, you know, I have an about page guide that, that I give away, and that's what I suggest people do. They have a headline that sort of draws their ideal, let's say, collectors in, and then they have a short paragraph that speaks to the collectors, and then after that, they can talk about themselves. I'm artist so-and-so and so-and-so, and this is my background. And this is the kind of work that I do. And then also I suggest people put some opt-in copy on their about page as well because it is such a highly visited page. So you want your opt-in copy on your homepage, but you also want some on your about page as well. And that it's just important as I'm thinking about this, that you need to have some kind of call to action on every web page. So maybe on your homepage, it's, you know, hey, sign up for my freebie here, you know, get on my email list. And your about page, it might be the same call to action, or maybe it's visit my gallery here. I, I know I'm sort of like all over the place. I just am thinking how it's important to have your opt-in 
on more than one page. Absolutely. And it's important to have a call to action. Give some people something to do at the end of every web page. Okay. So whether it's a, your R to buy this R, which is usually like, just the buy yeah. button, or it's some sort of action that tells them what to do next. So mm-hmm. I've, been told, I've been told that it's it's just like I used the, the analogy of you're welcoming someone to a gallery. But if you think about your website, it's kind of like you're welcoming somebody to your home mm-hmm. and you don't just open the door and let people wander around your house. <laughs> that's, that's a very good analogy. You, you welcome them first, you make them feel welcome and you show them where to go. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to take them to the living room? Are you going to take them to the dining room? You don't expect people to know where yes. they go. So you need to like create that narrative and show them around and lead them to the next place. You know what? I, can I use that next time I'm describing this? Because that's <laughs> such a good analogy. It's so perfect. I never thought about it that way, but it's so perfect. I'm sure I learned it from somebody else. So you're stealing from whoever I learned it from. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's great. I don't think I made that up, but I can't remember who yeah no that's either. that's so true it's great so, because yeah. you don't that's just like if you're not putting a call to action on each web page that is very much like inviting someone to your home and saying okay i hope you enjoy it see you later and <laughs> <laughs> which is not to say that my website is perfectly set up right now I, i've been going through a lot of changes like i had to switch from blogger to wordpress mm-hmm. and from some other kind of thing to shopify and then i you know, added a podcast on. So, but yeah, you definitely want to make sure you're, you're leading people through your site and showing them what to do each step. Right. Yeah. And on that note, really quickly, I, I always tell people, you know, your website's a work in progress. So, cause I know some artists I've worked with, they don't want to put anything up until everything's perfect, but nothing's hmm. ever perfect. No. You know, you just, I mean, my website looks like something from the 1990s. I mean, but I do just fine. So you just have to get something out there and then improve and iterate as you go. Don't let that your website is not perfect stop you from getting your presence online going because you need to build that. Oh, absolutely. I always say that done is better than perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. So you don't want to, you know, keep it hidden away under your bed. You have to, you you need feedback from people Mm -hmm. too, to see what's working and before you keep going. All right. So this is really valuable. Okay. So we've talked about the homepage. We've talked about the about page. Wait a minute. There's a third page. What's the third page? So the third page would be for artists. It's typically going to be the gallery page or the shop page. I've seen it. I've seen artists call it gallery or they call it shop. Occasionally I've seen an artist call it services or work with me, which is a little odd, but so you're the, whatever page that you sell your work from the main page you sell your work from. And on that page, the thing that I usually see that's a problem is artists will often have a lot of images of their work and then there's no copy whatsoever. So you, you go to the gallery page or the shop page and there's little image after little image after little image, which just kind of creates the idea that the art is a commodity because you're just showing these little tiny images of the work and you have no copy. So you also need to have some copy on your gallery page, but you can think of it kind of as the homepage doesn't have to have a whole bunch of copy, the gallery page doesn't either, but you still want something at the top, like a headline. And, you know, I invite you to look through my work here. And then under the images or somewhere on the page, again, a call to action, like 
for the gallery page, you're going to want people to go to where they can actually purchase it if it's not on the gallery page. And if you do have images on your gallery page, it's important to have the option for people to click on that piece of work and find out more about it. You know, which most artists do. So you click on a piece of work, then that takes you to another page and you see the dimensions and the materials and all of those other things, maybe a product description. Now you said something interesting back there. So, or it made me think of something that I really want to jump in and ask this question. Cause I know a lot of artists are going to have the same question. So on my website, I've always had more than one gallery because I like to show my art in collection. Right. So you have yeah. multiple collections. So we have to have copy for every collection page or is there a page that kind of has, do you know what I'm, what I, where yeah, I'm I do. So, so maybe your, your gallery top level page is going to sort of orient people to, you know, I have these, I have these five collections, you know, and maybe you have an image of each from each of the collections on the overall gap, the top level gallery page. Okay. And, and they could click on each collection image to get to that collection page, or it could be a drop down menu, which you know, most artists do, you know, you have right. your drop down menu with your various collections, but then on each collection page, I would still say not a lot, but have something, have one line of copy at the top of that collection that maybe talks a little bit about what that collection is or how it was inspired. And then again, of course, always having a call to action. Like what I have often seen is artists, they'll have the images. And if you roll over the images, you can click on them to buy them. But it's important, not that people are stupid, but it's important to keep in mind that on the web, we have to tell people what to do. Even if we right. think it's clear, it's often right. not clear. Right. So if you have a gallery page that has several images on it saying, click here to learn more or click on the images above to make a purchase rather than just right. assuming they'll know to do that. So, but back to your question, yes, I think if you have separate collections, what you need to do is have a line or two at the top of the page that says something about that collection. Okay. And then when you get to, so we kind of like working from the top down as they go through mm-hmm. the site, we started the homepage, we went to the gallery, we went to a col- like the gallery co- collection of collections. They mm-hmm. went to the collection. Now we're on the art level. What do you think artists need to put on that page? Because I, sometimes I don't know if that should be like a blog post style, like a story about the art. Should I just be describing it like I would if it was, what, what would you say to that question in, in terms of writing the copy for the actual art pieces? Well, that's, you know, product description copy is what yes. that would be. Yes. And you can talk about, you know, what your inspiration was for that piece, like maybe in a line or two. And then definitely the specs, right? Because people need to know, you know, what size is it? What color is it? What's it made mm-hmm. of? How much does mm-hmm. it weigh? How much is shipping going to cost? So you have a little bit about the piece of work and then you have the specs and then you just have a buy button right there. Now, again, I've seen artists do it different ways where when you click on the image from the main say gallery page or collections page, it takes you to a separate page where that piece of art is bigger and it has information. It has the specs, but it also has a product description. I've seen it sometimes as long as almost a full blog post or as short as two or three lines. I think shorter is generally better as long as, again, you get some narrative in there about the work. So not just this is, you know, 
11 by 15 and it comes in blue and gray or whatever, you right, know, right. you know, something. Well, hopefully like, it doesn't come in blue or gray. Yeah. <laughs> the artwork. But when I have not put stories on there, I've had collectors say, I like this, but where's the story? Like if they're used yeah. to this, if they're used to buying with the story, they'll ask me, what's the story? What's mm-hmm. the behind this? So I do know it's very important to write it. And I've done exactly what you've described. Both things were either I've written something short because I know I've had to, or I've written a whole blog post about it. So therefore I just put the blog post into the listing. Uh, I don't know if that's too much, but. Yeah, I think, I think collectors, they want to know. And I was reading something just yesterday that this is so true. Now I'm not an artist, but I work with artists. And this thing I was reading was saying how, People who collect art find artists fascinating. They want to know the backstory. They want to know the backstory about the artist and about the piece of work. So I think artists often forget people want to know about that stuff. They really do. And what I've been doing is we have to write so much copy anyway for things like Instagram. Like I will spend, usually it takes me a few days. I'll write, I'll plan out my Instagram for the month, not all 30 days or every single thing I'm going to post, you know, obviously there's, I leave room for spontaneity, but I'll like, I'll know that this is August and I want to do beach themes, for example, and I'll write Mm -hmm. that stuff. And then what I'll do is I'll take the copy I've written in the Instagram post and put it on my website and put it in the email. And for whatever reason, when I'm thinking about writing what would I be sharing about it? It's easier for me than thinking about what would I be writing if I was actually trying to sell it. So, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And that's great that you repurpose. So the content from the Instagram is also on the website also goes in the newsletter. So you don't have to create three different chunks of copy for one thing. It can all, it can be in all those different online communication pieces. Yep. Exactly. Or sometimes it happens the other way around, you know, it'll be there and now I'll move it over here. So, but a lot of times it ends up being more, I think people just prefer more conversational story based. And I don't know if that's because of social media or if that's always been true. What do you think? Oh, conversational. I definitely think so. I mean, I think, and it's not just, it's not artists. In fact, I've seen more people in corporate kind of settings do this but copy when you go to a website and the copy is very formal and not conversational it just doesn't pull you in I mean online there's that natural barrier between the website and the person viewing the website because you're not having a direct one-on-one with somebody a, a person in person so we always have to remember that that barrier is there and what helps sort of ease that at least to some degree is having conversational copy or, you know, you've gone to websites where you read the website and you feel like you know the person. Yeah. And that's a good thing. So conversational copy is definitely the way you want to go. Is there anything that you can say is like a big mistake you've seen artists make in terms of writing their copy? Um, yes. I think the biggest one is writing in the third person. Mm. You know, and that happens not just with artists, it happens with a lot of people. But I think it's especially true with artists because, frankly, I think in art school, of those of artists who went to art school, that's what they're taught to do. Mm. They're taught to write in the third person, you know, like, 
Miriam Shulman is an artist who does this and this and her influences are this, that, and the other. And again, that creates even more of a barrier. I I was having this conversation with an artist friend of mine a couple of weeks ago that people already feel when they're buying art, right? Especially if they go in person in a gallery, they already, a lot of us already feel a little insecure because we don't feel like we have enough knowledge to be a real collector. Mm. So if we're being talked to in this really esoteric language that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just kind of a turnoff, I think. So, right. but I've seen that a lot, writing in the third person, which I would say, don't, don't ever do that. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. And, and I actually follow a lot of artists. One of my pet peeves or turnoffs is I like whether it's a copy for Instagram or a blog post or a newsletter that's being sent to me. I get really turned off when I feel like they're, they are writing to the masses mm-hmm. and they'll use words like, Hey, you guys, I was like, wait a minute. I thought this letter, I prefer yeah. when I feel like it's coming just to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's but, true. Yeah. That's another very important lesson you learn as a copywriter is like you're writing to one person. Now I've made that mistake in my newsletter a few times where I'll say you guys or something, even though I know that is not cool. Like, don't do that. But every now and then I have done it and I'm like, oh gosh, I can't do that. So, so yes, it's important to be writing to one person. Yeah. And I'm not perfect either. I'm sure. (laughs) But but I'm very aware when I'm reading it, like, oh, exactly. You know, like when you're on the other end of it, the best thing is when you open somebody's newsletter and you're not even sure if it is a personal email that was sent just to you or mm-hmm. if it was their newsletter. I love when that happens. I'm like, oh. Yeah, because some people really... hear about her dog. How cute. I, and then, I know. It's right. important. Those, like, those sort of personal stories too. And that's the other thing I've had artists say, well, this is kind of getting off topic a little bit about saying, you know, I can't send a monthly newsletter because I've got nothing to write about. I'm like, are you kidding me? You can write about your process. You can write about your inspiration. You can, you know, there's so many things as an artist, you could write about that's going to be interesting to collectors. Yeah, I think the problem yeah. is with the word newsletter because yeah. people think they're right have to write like a newspaper. That's true. That's you a good know, just, point. Just write about one thing. That's yeah. it. Not, yeah. just, not yeah. your news. Right, right. <laughs> write about, pretend like you're, you're talking to your best friend about your week last week. You know, you spent some time in the studio and you saw this thing and it made you want to do this this other, you know, just whatever you would be talking about, about your, your influences or your, again, your process. People love to see artist process. Yeah. I think that's really so, great advice. Yeah. Definitely. I, but, but they like the process, but less technical, unless they're an artist themselves. Um, people, they don't necessarily need to hear about that. I think even as an artist, I don't always need to hear about that. Like I was in mm-hmm. Provincetown with my family and we were in an, a gallery a, a, a studio and the artist was saying how he discovered the caulking and this and that. And even as an artist, I wasn't interested. I just wanted to hear, well, why did you paint the tree instead of yeah. a flower? You know, that's what I wanted to hear. You know, like, <laughs> not like, whoa, you just, you know, you stuck the oil paint in this thing and squeezed it out. I was like, no, I don't, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you're right. There, there's such a thing as, is too much of that. Um, it's like yeah. learning how the sausages are made, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Tell me how they're seasoned. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, I don't really want to know what's in them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
All right, perfect. Okay, so also I know we promised we would talk about artist statements. Do you think artists need an artist statement? I think, now this is not going to be a popular opinion with some people, but I don't think you need to have an artist statement on your website. Now, if you do have one, I would not put it on the about page. Your about page is meant to be conversational. You're talking to your collectors. You're talking to people you want to sell a piece of work to in an informal way. If then you want to talk about your background, and most artist statements, you know, they're written in the third person. They're very formal sounding. If you want to have that, then put a link on your about page that says, learn more about my background here and link to it on another page. I like that. You know, so that's how I tell artists to handle that. Because again, what we were talking about before is when you come, you know, as a person, as a lay person collecting art, like I'm not a professional collector, but if I go to an artist's website and see a piece I love and I read this artist statement, that's just going to, for me, that's going to put me off. It's written in the third Mm. person. It's very formal. So again, if you want to have it, I would link off to it from the about page. I have not once had an art collector ask to see my artist statement. The last time I had an artist statement, updated my artist statement was because I was in a university um, art gallery setting where they asked to have Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. so they could put it in the binder Yes. The other artists. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know that people read them. And as a, a, not only am I an artist, but I also collect other artists' work. Mm-hmm. And I've never asked to see their artist statements either. I know. So, That's right? typically Who the way cares? it is. Like it's with, with all of us online. I mean, no one has ever asked to see my proof that I went to school or that I studied copywriting <laughs> or any of that stuff. People don't care about that. Right. It's like asking for someone's resume. Yeah, like, like, so, so yeah, as to artist statements, but you know, I know what, now what you're saying in that instance, because sometimes if you're in a show, you have to have one. I mean, it's a requirement. So in that case, sure, have one, but you don't need to put it on your website unless I would say the exception is if you're an artist and you're trying to get media attention and Mm -hmm. you want to have it in your media kit, you can do that. So that people, so that journalists know how to describe your art right so it's i've seen it in media kits that's fine but the thing i see that kind of makes me cringe is when an artist uses that in place of their about page Mm. their artist statement is just there on the about page like don't just don't do that i think i've done that (laughs) (laughs) but not anymore i hope not you know like by the time this podcast airs i will have cleaned up all these things we were talking about And I hope all the listeners will be doing the same. All right. So this was such a valuable conversation, Kimberly. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this episode complete? I was talking to an artist that I did a whole bunch of work for over the last couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. And I was telling him, I was actually, I mentioned you and I said, we were talking about his email list. And I said, I said, I wrote some copy. I worked with an artist on her copy a while back. and. And she has thousands and thousands of people on her email list. Because I was telling him, he's like, yeah, you know, I've been trying to do this for not that long, right? Six or eight months. And I've only got 38 people on my email list. I'm like, dude, you have to stick with it. You have to stick with it. You will build your email list. So I'm doing uh, a whole solo episode on building your email list. Well, first of all, I wrote an article for Professional Artist Magazine, which mm -hmm. you can probably buy. And that's pretty much what I'm going to do the podcast Mm -hmm. on anyway. But if you're selling art anywhere, there's no reason why you shouldn't have 300 people immediately on your email list. Yeah. You just keep the cards in your, not your business Mm -hmm. cards, 
that's not what you do. You take, you get a magazine. I knit, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> unfinished projects. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So it's like, oh, I don't remember. I think I like oh, yeah, the pattern. Like, yeah, I better yeah. find a new pattern for that sweater I started five years ago. Okay, so you know how those, you get those little cards subscribed to? So mm-hmm. basically, I've made them for my business. And that's what I keep in my purse. And anytime anyone wants oh. to hear about my art, I take down their name and email. When, whenever you're at an art fair, every yeah, art fair, you yeah. get 100 people every single time. Whether you sell zero pieces mm-hmm, of art, mm-hmm. you don't give out 100 business cards. You take 100 emails. Yeah, that's so the way to no, do it. Yeah, There's no reason not to have lots of people on your email list. Right. And the, the other thing I told him, too, was that you have like, three two or three or four different opt-ins right so if someone doesn't want the one thing they can get the other thing i do well for me because my business is multifaceted because i have people who want to be on an email list because they want to buy my art so Mm -hmm. i actually have two email lists i don't send the same messages right you know there's people who there are artists who will get on the other email list Mm -hmm. um but I have a art collector email list that I send one type of marketing message to, and then I have a separate one for artists. So the opt-in basically will lets me know what they're interested in, what email list they should go on. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I will, you know, if they want the the free whatever i don't remember what i have now i'm like hard i need to eat something <laughs> me too yeah so yes everything you said before is true i have multiple places to yeah right to join as well as different types of free yeah that's and that's like what we were saying during the podcast it's like having more you need to people need to mention it people i think they're afraid like well, i don't want to ask people to sign up for my email list in more than one place i'm like yes you do you absolutely do and they you, don't see it you need to you need to and if they, they don't, don't want see, to they may not see just be if they're not if people aren't hanging on to your every word the way you right. think they are and they're not coming to your website and going oh my god this person asked for my email in two different places <laughs> Never again. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so yeah, so funny, right? I'm definitely not buying art. She asked me three times for my email. God, the nerve! <laughs> right. Yeah, and then there was a pop up. Can you imagine the nerve of that? So. I mean, I used to like I will never put a pop up on my website, but mine's very um, low key. It shows up ten or twelve seconds after someone's on the website. You know and- why people use pop ups? They work. Exactly. <laughs> they work. It works. So, so anyway, absolutely. I'll leave you with that and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. This was fun. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And also Kimberly has a great freebie, which is about getting started with your about page. So if you want to do it yourself, she has a great freebie you can start with. And again, we'll have that link on the show notes. All you, It's totally free. You just have to enter your email and Kimberly will send it to you. So I've included all those links for you on the show notes. So thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to The Inspiration Place, whether you're on iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is you get your podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. So that's it for today. Have an amazing and inspirational day. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com. 
Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, you have to check out the Inspired Insiders Club. It's my monthly membership program where you get weekly inspiration from me. Every week, I share with you techniques that I use in my own art for drawing and painting in both watercolor and mixed media. Plus, you'll get a weekly idea video so that you never run out of ideas for how to make the art your own in your own style. If you're feeling stuck in your art and your goal for 2019 is to unleash greater creativity or to spend more time painting, but you need a little help creating that habit, then the Inspired Insiders Club will help you get there. Come join me over at shulmanart.com. That's shulman with a C, shulmanart.com forward slash join. I'd love to have you join me in the Inspired Insiders Club. See you there.